Well, I'm Lefton. This is George G. And the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Malcolm Hawker. Malcolm, are you ready to do this? I am ready to do this, sir. All right, let's go. Malcolm is the head of data strategy at Prophecy. He's a thought leader in the field of master data management and data governance. Malcolm, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. Uh, personal life. Well, um, I'm originally from Western Canada. So I recently became an American citizen about two years ago, which is which is a big deal. I was uh, here under a green card for well under or well over a decade, um, almost 15 years on a green card. And I never took the plunge. I never became a citizen, but I wanted to because I thought it was important to be able to vote. And lo and behold, I'm looking down. You can't see me. Uh, I got my first jury notice today. So that's, Congratulations. That's, yes, it would be my first jury appearance ever uh, at age 54. Uh, I get to go serve on a jury. So I, as as annoying as that is for many people, I, I'm actually kind of excited about it. That means I'm just more legit and I'm, I'm, I'm part of society. So I'm originally from Western Canada, uh, born and raised in Western Canada, went to school there, but I did come to graduate school here in the U.S. I'm a proud graduate of the University of Florida, go Gators. Uh, lived in a bunch of places, lived in the D.C. area for a long time. I worked for this little internet startup called AOL for over a decade, hmm. uh, laying the plastic tubes with, uh, with Al Gore and others, laying the foundations for the internet. I've had an amazing career as an IT leader, as a consultant, as an analyst, most recently with a company called Gartner, which was a lot of fun. And now I'm the head of data strategy with Prophecy. So what I do is I help companies navigate the uh, increasingly complex waters of the data world. Um, we sell data management software. So we help companies kind of wrestle with rather difficult data-related problems. So why I get up every morning and why I do what I do uh, is really a function of helping companies solve complex problems that on the surface seem really simple and seem really easy. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, maybe that, that that makes me a little bit of a sadist. I, I don't know, but but the harder the problem, the more I want to help other companies try to figure it out, and the, why, and the more I want to help other people try to figure it out. So, if you've ever you know had an experience where you called up a support line and you had called three or four or five other times, but when you called, it was like the first time they had heard from you, or maybe you went to a hotel and a hotel that you've been at many times before. And they treated you like you were a new customer or conversely, when you went back to a hotel and they knew exactly who you were, they knew exactly what you preferred to eat. You knew they knew that you preferred a feather pillow. Uh, so those are extreme ends of, of a spectrum where one end was that hotel didn't know who you were and didn't know that you had a previous relationship there. And the other one you did. And, and the type of experience that you can have and, and the two ends of that spectrum. So where my company comes into play and where what I do for a living, um, I, I really help you know, companies develop what we call best practices around data management, uh, is we solve for a problem that's called a lack of master data management. Uh, that, that is, master data is the, is the nouns that matter most for your company. <laughs> really complex. Uh, things like customers, assets, locations, employees, George, you'd be amazed how hard it is for extremely large companies to understand whether Jeff Smith and Jeffrey Smith are one person or two people, right? You'd be amazed at how hard it is to come up with a single version of the truth when interacting with customers or suppliers. 
It's the same thing like maybe you've ever you've wandered down the aisle at Home Depot and, and in the nuts and bolts aisle at Home Depot, maybe this is more of a male example here, but um, where, 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 you know, you've got all of these labeling standards and you're able to understand because of the picture and the label, this is the exact bolt that I want. And, and there's one experience, but then the other one is, is that there's no label, there's no description, there's no understanding what this thing is. Maybe that's a bit of a, a, a less powerful metaphor here, but getting your hands around data as a company um, is core to understanding your relationships with customers, with employees, with suppliers, extremely relevant in today's world around supply chain and, and where your goods are coming from and, and how long it takes to receive them and all the risks that may be present along the way. So that's what I do day in and day out. I like helping companies solve those very, very difficult related data challenges. Nice. That's really well explained, Malcolm. Thank you. Thank you. That, 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 that's not necessarily an easy thing to, uh, to uh, boil that down. So that is well done. Interesting that you've, the, the examples were super helpful and some experiences I really want. I right. love going to a really nice hotel. They're like, oh, welcome back, Mr. Yep. Mr. George. We've got all your favorite things. But also, I really don't want to be tracked in certain circumstances, right? Exactly right. I think that yep. that's gross. Yep. So I, I wrote down in advance of our conversation, is there a good versus evil conversation that com- companies need to have? Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, there most certainly is. There, there most certainly is because there's a, there's a fine line between exceptional customer service and getting into something that's a little creepy, right? And, and it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it does come down to security and privacy and ultimately having control over your own data, right? And that, that's a role that my company software would play and other company software would play in terms of managing privacy settings and managing what you opt in for and what you opt out of. But at, at a very, very high level, I mean, there, there is an interesting academic discussion to be had here about convenience and service and being tracked when you don't want to be tracked. Typically, it's a situation where people, it's good until it's no longer good, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, and, and you know it's no longer good when it goes over that line, right? Where you, didn't, where you didn't allow that use of the data or you didn't opt in for something or you didn't receive uh, a positive experience from from something. So, you know, I, I think you know the, the rule of thumb here. Yes, absolutely, positively, there are privacy regulations in place. There are laws that are in place, and that's kind of the minimum bar, right? Companies have to to adhere to the law. They have to uh, uh, adhere to things like the California Consumer Protection Protection Act, and have to to align to other data protection acts. And then, if you kind of come up the chain, there there is more of a gray area where perhaps you opted into something and you didn't even know you opted in. It was one of those user agreements that was 45 pages long and they ask you, did you read the user agreement and click, yeah, I did. Yeah, just let me download the app so I can go do what I want to do. And maybe somewhere along the lines, you did opt in for something, but you didn't know that you did because it was the convenience overwhelmed any desire for conservatism when it came to managing your own data. Um, so there is certainly a bit of a gray area there. I, I think we're we're marching towards a future where there is more self-determination over your data. Separate issue, probably separate conversation. I do think that actually, believe it or not, blockchain and some advanced technologies have, have a lot of, of promise here around the management of your own profile, the management of your own information, the management of how your information is disseminated. 
but today it's it's an interesting mix of again of 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 convenience that people are opting in for very often but when a company goes too far they need to also make sure that they have the capability to allow you to say hey wait a minute that that wasn't cool because i i i know i may have agreed to that in the past but it's no longer cool and i want to control my own data my own experiences yeah that makes a lot of sense so your opportunity, your challenge is to figure out the inner workings of the organizations you're serving and to then say, okay, here's sort of what we want. And we want to make sure we have all the products on the shelves and we have happy yep. customers. So how do we, how do we bridge that gap? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. So, you know, data, the good way to look at data is, is like it's, it's, it's exhaust. And a lot of the data practitioners who may be listening to this, the data science people or other kind of data center people like me would be like, clutching their pearls right now, like, oh, wait a minute, no, because data can be incredibly, unbelievably valuable, right? D data can be, you know, there was lots of articles recently talking about data as the new oil, but ultimately data is exhaust from a business process. So what you said, George, was accurately, you know, working with companies to figure out the best way to manage relationships and manage experiences and, and, and manage data, but that comes through business process management, right? How are you, what is your desired outcome for managing that customer experience when they check into your hotel? What is the experience you want somebody to have when they're buying something on your website? How, how much privacy, how many privacy options do you want them to have? How much control do they, do you want them to have over this data? And on and on. The list is very, very long here, but ultimately we're talking about optimizing business processes. So data in, in, in its best form here can be used to feed back into those processes to optimize them. Because if you've got data that suggests, okay, something is wrong here, data is incorrect, the name has been incorrect, incorrectly added, chances are there's a reason why, right? There's a reason why you may have three versions of Malcolm Hawker in your customer database, right? Maybe I did that and created them under three different email addresses because I really didn't want to receive any more spam from you, right? So a lot of different ways to optimize those business processes, but, but yes, you're absolutely right. It's about really understanding what customers want, what customers don't want, and then building your business around that. Data is key to understanding that. But I would argue that understanding who your customers are, right? Jeff Smith versus George Smith versus G Smith. Is that one person or is that three people? That is the kind of the core building block that, that the prophecy really helps focus on and understanding, you know, who are your customers and what, what are the depths of your interactions with them? Um, and, and managing that, the, the, those core nouns, customers, products, suppliers, locations, vendors, on and on. That's kind of like the, the, the core building blocks of your data estate within your organization. And is that, is that the fundamental work that needs to be done and the solutions are easy? <laughs> I wish. Um, well, maybe I didn't because I wouldn't have a job. But uh, no, the solutions are, are in theory, they are, they are easy, but in practice, they are difficult. Um, the solutions aren't easy here because one can one could argue that corporations need different views of data, need different instantiations, what we say in, in the data world. And maybe there's a reason why you need two different customer records for whatever reason. And maybe there's a reason why business process A looks different than business process B. Classic use case here is merger and acquisition, where one company buys another company and where those customers may actually overlap. And we've got two different data sets. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to combine these data sets. Maybe one hotel buys another hotel chain. 
Maybe, maybe you know, Marriott buys Starwood and they need to find a way to treat those, those two separate customer sets as one customer set. So there's a lot of different reasons why data can be kind of become broken, as, as it were, or at least disparate, or at least siloed. That's the most common use cases where there are silos of data uh, across a large organization. And they start to, they, they, they come and are created rather naturally as companies grow and evolve and acquire other companies and become highly specialized within their operations. It's quite normal for these silos to pop up. But solving for that can be very, very complex because you have to have some fairly complex business rules to solve for it, right? You, you, you need to understand when, when, when you know, the, what, what we call entity resolution, when one thing or when three things or three things or when one thing is one thing, you need to understand some basic rules around data quality. What do you expect? How do you know when something is accurate? How do I know uh, if, you're, if your address or, or business address is up to date and when it's not up to date. So there are policies and procedures that sit under data management that can actually get fairly complex. They sound simple, like, okay, how do I get correct information around Acme Incorporated? I do a Google search and give me information about Acme Incorporated. But there's a lot of nuances sitting underneath that. Are you talking about Acme Incorporated? Or are you talking about every division or department or operating unit of Acme Incorporated? An example would be Dairy Queen. Give me all the information on Dairy Queen. Well, what do you mean? Dairy Queen as a corporate entity or individual Dairy Queen stores, maybe individual Dairy Queen stores within an individual state, right? Or an individual city. Or maybe you're talking about Berkshire Hathaway, which is the corporate parent of Dairy Queen. Or maybe you're talking about all of it, right? So that's an example of, in theory, it seems difficult, but in practice, understanding and defining all the policies and procedures and understanding you know, how to get the most value out of that, that complex set of data is, is really what I do for a living and why I get out of bed every morning. In theory, it seems complicated. And in practice, it's also very complicated, <laughs> Malcolm. And I just want a vanilla ice cream cone from Dairy Queen. Now that sounds well, delicious. So, Indeed. And I want Dairy Queen to know that about me, Malcolm. Okay, all right, I'll do my best. <laughs> nice. So, How 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 does one get started? Just begin. Oh, what a great what, what a good question. So I, I didn't necessarily set out um, to become a what we call MDM master data management or a you know uh, an expert in the field of data management. I, I didn't set out to do that, uh, but I've been doing this for about twenty years now, and um, I, I I kind of fell down this rabbit hole when I was a, I was a consultant. Uh, I had just kind of done a tour of duty with a small startup based out of Austin, Texas. I was the chief product officer and we were building some really cool software and it was pretty neat. And I transitioned into this more of a consulting role when that, when that software company was bought off by another software company, as it so often happens with startups. And I, and I went into this consulting role and I went back to my Rolodex of people that I knew and I, and I got hired by this big publicly traded company based out of Northern Virginia, where I previously lived. Um, to solve for a question of um, how many customers do we have? Hmm. That, 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 would, that, was, that was my consulting gig, right? And I thought, oh man, this is going to be a layup, right? Like I'll just, I'll just pull some reports. I'll, I'll build some dashboards and I'll, yeah, this, 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 should be, this should be a layup, right? And it's like, okay, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. No, it's actually not. And there was, that was like, that was kind of like my, my, maybe my kryptonite, I, I guess. And it was like, again, something that sounds so simple, but it really, really wasn't because I would go and start having conversations with people in the company. And I'd say, well, how many customers do you have chief revenue officer? 
And the, and the first thing they would ask is, well, what do you mean by that? Hmm. Is that trial accounts? Is that previous accounts? Is that current accounts? Is that anybody who's ever given us money ever or is only people giving us money now, right? And then and I was like, okay, well, all right, let me get back to you on that. And then I would go ask to the chief financial officer, the CFO, well, how many customers are there? Um, well, we have 100. That wasn't the answer, but just, well, we have 100. And I'm like, okay, well, how do you define a customer? And the CFO would say a customer is the people where we have recognized revenue that hits the book this year, right? That, like, that, like that's it. But to make a long story short here is everybody I would talk to around the organization had slightly different definitions of how, who's a customer, right? And, and at multiple levels, it was, it was common. Everybody had their own definition of customer. Ultimately, it was the CFO who had the final say because there were, there were reports that were going to Wall Street and it was a publicly traded company. And those, those, those were, were bang on, of course, because they were audited every year. Um, but there were these kind of natural differences that existed across the organization. And, and that's what I was drawn to was just like, wow, um, this, this, is, this could be a real, real problem here because it could most certainly create the hotel example that I had before. Right. And I don't want that as a, as a, as a customer. I would want, I would want a seamless experience and I would want the customer service line to know who I was and how often I've talked before and what my previous problems were and all those other things. So that's really kind of how I ended up getting into the, into the data space um, was, was that one engagement where it was like, okay, this, this, this is right up my alley. People are running away from this stuff, but I'm going to run towards it because that's just in my nature, the harder the problem, the more I'm attracted to trying to solve for it. I love it. And I appreciate the work. So I think we've all had experiences where been very, very frustrated where you're calling in for the fifth time and you really right. wish that they would have a record right on their screen, potentially right. of uh, the last time we spoke. So, right. It's interesting. You should use that metaphor because my first job, believe it or not, out of grad school was as a customer service rep working for America online. I was actually a, a technical service uh, tech rep. Uh, in 1995, uh, doing tech support for AOL, um, uh, helping people get connected to the internet, internet in the early days of the internet. So uh, yeah, it's interesting that, I, that that's that's always an example that I give because I come at that knowledge from from firsthand knowledge when uh, it was uh, you know Hayes modems and and uh, internet connectivity at 14.4k baud, which is probably before the time of most anybody listening to this, but. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun being a, a frontline representative working for a large company. I bet, I bet, yeah. a limited number, or a unlimited number of of funny, funny encounters. Oh, I heard them there. all. Yeah, yeah, no, I I heard the cup the, the cup holder is broken, right? I heard that one, right? And the, the cup holder was the disc tray that popped out, and you plop your AOL disc that you got in the mail because everybody was getting them in the mail back then. Uh, but my cup holder was broken. Oh, I heard that one. I heard all sorts. My my funnest experience was. Uh, talking to somebody who had a very talkative par a parrot in, in, in the background who pretty much dominated the conversation, who would uh, mimic a lot of the things that this person was saying, can't get online, can't get online, but then would, uh, would ad lib, like all of this stuff, all of, like, and he, he, this parrot would mimic a dog, this parrot would mimic all of these sounds in the background. And I was on the, I was on the phone, I was just cracking up. This parrot just had me completely raptured. It was fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. That's an interesting study right there. The kind of human being that would want something like that in their house. That's not me, but different strokes for different folks. Malcolm. Especially one, especially a pet that has a very good chance of outliving you. Mm. Right? Yeah, there's like a whole a life wrinkle. Right? Yeah, a parrot. I mean, that's a lifelong commitment. 
<laughs> I love it. Well, Malcolm, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and Prophecy? Two ways. The, the, the best way is find me on LinkedIn. So uh, H-A-W-K-E-R, Malcolm, there's, there's, I think there's three of me on the planet. There's three Malcolm Hawkers talking about kind of entity resolution and disambiguation. I think there's only three. So please find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm publishing content almost daily, best practices, insights, videos, you name it on how to become more data-driven within your organization. So find me on LinkedIn, number one, and connect with me. If you've got questions, I will happily engage. It's my job. Uh, second way is prophecy.com. So P-R-O-F-I-S-E-E, prophecy.com. Uh, same thing. We've got a ton of resources there about data management, best practices, data quality, best practices, establishing data strategies, again, becoming more data-driven as both a person and a company. And we are happy to help however we can. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed as so much as I did, show Malcolm your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on LinkedIn, Malcolm Hawker, M-A-L-C-O-L-M-H-A-W-K-E-R, and then go to prophecy.com, P-R-O-F-I-S-E-E.com, and, uh, and check it out. One last question, Malcolm. You've been saying data. How do you feel about data? Uh, either way, I could go either way. I, I, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a purist. I, I think. I think technically, data might be correct. Uh, no I, I think data may actually be correct, but I'm. I'm a data guy. But if that makes me, I don't know. I. I. I I'll go either way. It doesn't bother me. Fair data. Enough. Data. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again, Malcolm. Thanks so much, George. And until next time, remember: do your part by doing your best.